boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for your people. And Father, I pray that you will use me as an instrument to communicate the oracles of God. Holy Spirit, who's already here in this place, lead me and guide me into all truth. And Lord, I thank you that signs, miracles, and wonders will follow your word in our lives as we hear it, receive it, and obey it. And I give you thanks and praise now in Jesus' name. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Two thousand thirteen is the year of what great expectations amen and when God gives you a prophetic promise, it must be believed, received, confessed, and practiced. Everybody say believed, believed. received, believed. confessed, confessed, and practiced amen and our lesson today is designed to show you how to get what you expect now. Most of us don't realize that we're already getting what we're expecting. But I'm going to show you this morning because some of what we are expecting is not good. And so we need to stop expecting those things. But then there are some things that God wants us to expect so then we can receive. Amen? So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 20. And then Genesis chapter 4 verses 3. I'll say those two again. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 and then Genesis chapter 4 verses 3. Uh, I received a testimony this week that I felt was good to include in my lesson this morning and so uh, the testimony started out and the, the subject of the testimony said planted and so they started out with Psalm 92 13 which says those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And this is what the email said. It said, Pastor, you issued a challenge back in November of 2012 and said that all of God's people needed to be planted in a local body. At the time, my family and I attended another church faithfully for seven years. Everybody say it seven years. But we were not planted. You even said that if Word of Truth Family Church is not the place for you to be planted, find somewhere and plant yourselves. So my wife and I visited several other churches and decided upon Word of Truth Family Church. Since we had three kids in college and a high school senior in private school, so it's like having four kiddos in college, we decided to wait for the college kiddos to come home and join as a family. So the entire family joined in December of 2012. As I pondered 2013, I look back and see the hand of God and His faithfulness as a result of being planted in the house of the Lord. Listen to this. Just a note, we are faithful to giving our tithe and offering. We gave $2,500 in March to the building project, though it was not in our budget with four tuitions to pay, but we believed God and gave it. Everybody say, that's faith right there. In May, I received a $6,000 raise to my base, base pay. Everybody say $6,000. In 2013, I made $22,000 in bonuses in spite of the down economic market. The most I had made in a long time. I typically have to dip into my investment accounts to pay now for college tuitions, books, travel, to, to and from schools, but I haven't had to do that. 
And just a side note, I, Betsy, and if you know my story, we used to name our hoopties Betsy. How many have had hoopties, you know? A hooptie is a bad car. That's what, that's what that is. Just a side note, our Betsy died, our beloved car of 15 years and 400,000 miles. That Betsy needed to die. And if I'd have known that, I would have committed murder in Jesus' name. <laughs> Died in November, just as you was preaching on the series of Great Expectations. Not knowing Betsy was on life support, I prayed with Brother Greg for God to give us another mode of transportation and had gone to several dealerships to just look and start the expectation process. This is good. Betsy died on November 25th. Oh, poor Betsy. (laughs) And on November 26th, we had a brand new vehicle. Lastly, I looked at our giving statement, and we gave, uh, I'm going to round it up, $20,000 in tithe and offering. Never have given this much, and I'm amazed at how my wife and I lacked for nothing. Thank you for challenging us to be planted in the house of the Lord, for he has made us to flourish. Looking forward to now blooming for where we are in 2014. Can you just give the Lord a hand clap for that? Amen. Now, we've defined expectation to look forward to something, to anticipate. Everybody say anticipate. To anticipate the occurrence of something and also to look for something with reason or justification. And we've established that with a biblical principle, which is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And it says, if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all the things that we need will be added to us. In other words, that scripture can give us expectation that God will meet our needs when we put him first. Do you get that? Amen. So I have three basic points for you this morning. Here's the first point that I want you to write down. Your expectations must be biblical and not just personal. I'm going to say that again. Your expectations must be biblical and not just personal. Another way of saying it is that a biblical expectation can be personal, but a personal expectation may not be biblical. Okay, you say, well, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? See, anytime you believe in God for something, as long as it's found in his word, guess what? We are capable of receiving those things. But sometimes God can make a promise in his word, and it may not be our season for it. And so here it is. We're making it personal, but it's not yet biblical. In other words, some of you are in here. You may be uh, wanting to get married. But maybe you're not married because you can't control your spending habits. Just look at your neighbor and say, he ain't talking to me. Now look at them again and see if they have on some new clothes. Just look at them. No, no, no. I mean, God's not going to want you to go into another relationship when you can't control your spending when you're in your own personal relationship with yourself. Can you say amen to that? Now, in Acts chapter 3, let me just show you something about uh, an expectation principle. Acts chapter 3, look in verse 1. I'll start reading. It says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. And this is what he was doing. He was asking for money from them that entered into the temple. Verse 3 who's seeking Peter and John about to go into the temple. I mean, because they had to have money because they was going to church. I mean, the guy was smart. He could have he camped out at Kroger's. 
he decided he's going to camp out right outside the church. Amen? <laughs> so if you see somebody out there, just see if they cripple or not, all right? I'm just playing. Who saw Peter and John going into the temple asking for alms, verse 4. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. Watch verse 5. Here's the key. And he gave heed unto them. What's the next word? Come on, class. Come on, class. He was expecting to do what? Receive something from them. Now, remember, the first point is your expectations must be biblical and not just personal. Now, we're going to see that this guy's expectation, he was expecting something that he really didn't need. He needed healing, but he was asking for everything else but that. Look in verse 6. Then Peter says, silver and gold have we none. But such as we have, give out of you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he took up his right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strip. Now, that word expecting where it says that he looked at them to expect something, that means to watch and anticipate. To watch and anticipate. And one of the keys to you and I getting what we expect, watch this now, here's a key, is expecting to get. I'm going to say that again. One of the keys to getting what you expect is expecting to get. In other words, expecting to get, not just something negative, but something positive. Amen. When God gave me a promise for us to move here to Seguin High School, he says, I want you all to have church here. Then guess what? I was expecting a yes. And even though when I got here, first of all, five years ago, when we got here, they told me no four times. Now, who do you think we should believe? Should you believe God or should you believe your circumstance? God. 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 So instead of leaving Seguin High School discouraged, I left with a plan. You know what I did? I took pictures of the auditorium. I put a scripture on it and I handed out that piece of paper to everybody at church. And I said, put it on your refrigerator because I know you will visit that place often. And when you open up your refrigerator, just say that scripture out loud. In other words, I was getting everybody on the same page. And you know what? I just began to confess what God said he was going to do. And then I came back again. Everybody say, he tried again. Because if you're expecting a yes, don't stop at no. If you are, I'm going to say it again. If you are expecting a yes, don't stop at no. Amen. I looked at one of my staff members this uh, uh, last week. And they told me about their Betsy for about the fifth time. And I got tired of listening about their Betsy story. So I just looked at them and I said, you're going to have a car before the end of the week. Go find one. Well, they went and listened to me. How many know everybody don't listen to me? (laughs) They listened. They went. And check this out. They went through our financial uh, piece or financial, what, what, what would you call our class? Financial hope class. They went through that. They learned how to manage their money. They learned how to budget and everything. And not knowing when they got to the dealership, their credit score had went up 125 points. They walked out of there with no money down. Watch this. They got a brand new car. This was the first car that they had ever got that was brand new. How many know God wants you to have a new car? I mean, Jesus drove a road on a new donkey. Come on now. I know you got some donkey faith. Jesus rode on a brand new donkey. Ain't nothing wrong with having a brand new car. How many know they were excited? Amen. Go to 2 Peter quickly. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. See, when you begin to expect to get, no's don't bother you. 
Even when things don't go the way you thought. I mean, here it was. God told us, oh, that, that extra six acres of land is you all's. And all of a sudden, somebody else bought it. Right. You know what? I could have just stuck curled up in the corner like some of us do and start crying and see, sucking my thumb. Oh, God, what am I going to do? No, I just said, Lord, look, you told us that was ours. I ain't going to mess with it. Well, how, how many know we ended up with it anyway? Amen. God is smart. He knew. He said, you know what? I'm going to let that guy hold that land long enough for Pastor Evan until they have cash to pay for it. So remember, nothing bad happens to you if everything God does, he works it out for your good. Amen. In 2 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 13. I want to show you this word expecting that was used over in the book of Acts. I want to show you that word again. It says in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, God's promise. Now remember now, remember that expectation is birthed from a promise. In other words, when you promise your kids something, you have just birthed in them expectation. Well, when God makes us a promise through his word, it births in us expectation. Well, notice it says in this verse, nevertheless, we according to his promise or God's promise. What's the next word in that verse? Look. Everybody say look. Now that word look in the Greek is the same word expecting. So really what it's saying here is nevertheless, we, according to his promise, expect for new heavens and a new earth. How many know that one day you won't leave this place and there's going to be another place for you to go? Amen. Amen. So now let's move on to point number two, which is this. Your expectations should be in the source, watch this, and not just the resource. I'm going to say that again. Your expectations should be in the source and not just the resource. Here's another way of saying it. It's to trust who you can't see over what you can see. How many know you can't see God? You can't see him, but he's, he's real. I'm saying trust who, in who you can see over what you can see. Because sometimes what you can see contradicts what who can't see told you. Did y'all get that? All right. So your expectations should be in the source and not just the resource. Go to Psalm 62. Psalm 62, verse 5. Let me just give you an analogy. Many of us, lack bothers many of us. You know why? Because our heart and our mind begins to worry and, and, and get all anxious when things go down. For instance, if I really knew that uh, I had a bucket of a bucket. And I go to this big uh, ocean to get a bucket of water. And the bucket of water, I started giving everybody out water. And then all of a sudden, the water starts going down in the bucket. I'm not going to worry about the level of the water in the bucket if I know where I got it from. In other words, I'm not trusting the resource. I'm going back to the source where I got it. Can you say amen to that? In Psalm 62, verse 5, it gives us the principle. He says, my soul waits only upon who? Upon God for my what, class? My expectation is where? It's from him. Look in Psalm 121. Quickly, we're in Psalms. We might as well go to Psalm 121. Go to Psalm 21, 121. Notice that our expectation should be in God. I'm telling you, you... When you raise your expectation, you will have opportunities to have a testimony. See, a testimony don't always come out of what was good or what was, what was easy. Sometimes a testimony comes out of a test. 
Amen. Amen. Listen, when we were having, when we were trying to have Landon, that was a test. It was a test. Now, I enjoyed practicing doing the test. For those of you all who are visiting, Landon is my little boy. Before we had him, they told us we couldn't have no baby. But see, number one, that ain't what God told me. He said, be fruitful and multiply. That's what I planned on doing. Watch this. And everybody outside of us, remember, the resources said, y'all can't have no kids. She don't have enough eggs. You don't have enough soldiers. You don't understand that? See me after service. I explain to you. We didn't believe in the resources. We trusted in who? The source, Psalm 121, look in verse 1. It says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. This is the old one right here. From whence cometh my help. But me, most people stop right there. It goes on to say, but my help comes from who? The Lord which made both heaven and earth. Listen, he said, look, I, I'm not going to look at the resources to determine where my help comes from. I'm going to look up. Can you say amen to that? And here's the thing. Here's the thing. The average believer must understand that God works in three ways. He works in seasons. He works by faith. And watch this. He works through maturity. I'm going to say that again. See, when you know this as a believer, then guess what? The waiting process doesn't bother you. See, God works. He works through faith. He works through seasons, and he works through maturity. Now, seasons, Ecclesiastes 3.1, you can just write it down. It says, to everything there is a season and a time to, and purpose for everything under heaven. In other words, there are some things that God wants you to have, but there's a season attached to it. Can you say amen to that? And sometimes, you know, you have to just use your faith. And faith always takes two things. It takes boldness, and it takes believing or actions. In other words, when God tells you something or you receive a promise by faith, you got to stand on that thing. And you got to just stand and watch this. It has to have actions or you don't have faith because faith without, what's another word for works? Actions. Faith without, without actions is what? It's there. So sometimes it takes the faith. But then also here's the one that most believers regret. And that is sometimes the promises that we need come through maturity. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Go to Hebrews 12. Maturity. Everybody say maturity. That's when we have to be old enough to deal with the promise. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you would give your 10-year-old your car keys and let them drive? Raise your hand if you do because I need to pray for you. <laughs> now, we wouldn't give a 10-year-old our keys to our car, would we? No, we wouldn't. Why? Because they're not old enough yet for the process. Well, there are certain things that God wants us to have and God wants us to expect, but some of it is just going to come through us growing up. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, look in verse 9. It says, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, I mean our natural fathers, which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more rather be in subject Unto the Father of spirits and live. Look at verse 10. For, for they, our natural fathers, verily for a few days they chastened us or disciplined us after their own pleasure. Amen. 
I think some of our parents back in the day just had a lot of kids so they wouldn't have to do nothing. I mean, to this day, you go to my parents' house, there are still holes in the wall from a duty board. How many had to do duties growing up? Yeah, uh uh-huh. And uh, thank God we got paid for the duty, but then if you didn't do the duty right, you had to do the duty again. And that's one of the reasons why I don't like doing stuff twice. Because, you know, I remember, I'll never forget, I'm mopping that floor, man, and I did a half job, and I knew I did a half job, but I didn't think he would see that I did a half job. So I put up all the stuff. He, and it's smart. My dad was smart. He let me put up everything. Let me squeeze out the mop, pour out the water, put it all back. And then he came in and looked around. He said, you didn't even take the stuff out of the pantry and, and uh, do it again. Do it again. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Some of y'all, how do you old enough to know that song? Let me see. You old, that's why, that's why. Watch what it goes on to say. For they verily chastened us after their own pleasure, but God for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no d- discipline or chastening for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, after it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them who are exercised by it. Let me read it out of the message translation. I love it. It says, we respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them, but God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely, for it's the well-trained, listen to this, who finds themselves mature in their relationship with God. Some things that God wants to do for us, we got to grow up before we get it. Can you say amen to that? So let me just now close with our last point. Here's the last point. Expectations, and here's the one that I want to focus in on. Expectations must move, watch this, from being mental to being verbal. I'm going to say that again because this whole lesson right now is centered around my last point. Expectations must move from being mental, everybody say mental, To being verbal. Everybody say verbal. In other words, you must start saying it and not just thinking it. Now go back over to Psalm. Go to Psalm 37. Go back over to Psalm 37. Go to Psalm 37. I want to show you this principle. Psalm 37. Because see, most of us have expectations and they don't go any further than how we think. If it took God to say, let there be light, for light to be, then you're going to have to say something for you to get what he wants you to have. Amen. And expectations have to move from just the mental level to the verbal level. Watch Psalm 34. This is a very powerful principle here. Psalm 34, look at uh, Psalm 37, I'm sorry, verse verse 4. Psalm 37, verse 4, look at it. It says, the light, who? Yourself also in who? He said, delight yourself in the Lord, and then he shall give you what? The desires of your heart. Now, I'm going to read another verse, and then stay right there, though. I'm going to read another verse that has that same word in it. Uh, Psalm 20, verse 5 says, we will rejoice in the salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up banners of our Lord. The Lord will fulfill all of our petitions. 
Now, listen, the word desires there, it says he will give us the desires of our heart. That's not a mental thing. When you look that word desires up, it means request or petition. So it's not just saying God will give you what you think about. God will give you what you feel. It's saying God will give you what you request or what you petition. Now I can prove that that, that's what that word means because the word petition and the word desires are the same word in the Greek. So now we can see why God wants us to say a lot of what we need to say. Go to Mark chapter 11 as we close. Go to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Even in, in Philippians chapter 4 verse 5, it says, don't be worried about anything, but by everything, by prayer and supplication. He's saying, I need you to stop worrying about it. Take it out of the mental realm, and I need you to now put it in the verbal realm. He said, listen, don't be worried about and anxious about things. He said, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. In other words, you can't just keep thinking it. You got to say it. Can you say amen to that? Now, this is our last verse, Mark chapter 11. I'm going to show you this principle. I know many of you all know this, but you don't know the word until you're doing the word. Now, how many of you, how many uh, uh, school teachers or principals or somewhere in the ISD school district? Raise your hand if you're in here. Oh, wow, we're going to have a great school on when we start one. Praise the Lord. So, are y'all looking for raises? Praise the Lord. Amen. We're going to get you out of the public school system. Now, let me ask you a question. If your kid came home and you went over a test with them, and on that test they answered 2 plus 2 equals 5, would you check that as a correct or as an incorrect? Now, because you are a teacher, you would probably be prone to go back, go that, go back over that with them. Wouldn't you do that? In other words, you want them to know that 2 plus 2 is actually 4, right? In other words... If you are going to let them stay with the thinking that five is right, you have just led them wrong. And every time they put that score down or that that number down on any test that they take in the future, guess what? You have just blocked their future from being good because you haven't made that correction in their thinking. Because if you don't correct it on paper, you won't correct it. They won't correct it with their mouth. Now watch this, Mark chapter 11, look in verse 22, it says, and Jesus, well, if you look in verse 13, Jesus spoke to a tree, and then the tree withered. So then in verse 22, or verse 21, Peter said, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered, verse 22, and Jesus answered and said unto him, he says, have faith in God. Now he's about to show us how to have faith. It says, for verily I say unto you, that who so ever shall think about this mountain. What does it say? So are we supposed to be thinking about the, the stuff? Or are we supposed to be talking about the stuff? Now, here's again. You have to change your expectation because if you are talking, listen to this. If you're talking about negative things, then you don't really know that that's what you are personally expecting. Your mouth, watch this, is the gateway to what your heart is expecting. Jesus is telling us here. He said, what things soever, he said, whosoever shall say to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and no doubt in their heart, but shall believe that those things which he what? Say, not think, 
shall come to pass, he will have what he what? Notice it doesn't say he will have what he thinks. You have to take it from the mental realm over into the verbal realm. Now, let me explain. That's how you manifest things. I'm closing with this testimony. When, my, when the Lord told me when to get married, because, you know, I asked him when, and he told me a time that wasn't convenient for me. I had been in school, additional school, for two more years, had spent all the money that I had saved to be in school, and I still had some money left, but I didn't have enough money for an expensive wife like I have. Now, at the time, my wife was very, very frugal. At the time. How many know uh, women like to upgrade? You can't take them backwards. They will let you take them forward, but you ain't taking them backwards. So at the time, my wife or... <laughs> I got some hand claps on that one. <laughs> I'm telling you, she's crapping and saying, no, 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 another ring, another ring, another ring. Listen, at the time, my wife knew I didn't have a lot of money, but, but... And so I told her, she was in South Africa at the time doing her internship. So I said, you know, gold was cheaper there. Gold is cheaper in South Africa. So I said, find you a ring down there. Now, now, honestly, I had more money than $200. She bought herself a $200 ring. And I said, well, praise the Lord. $200. And I said to myself, I know I'm going to have to raise this girl's expectations. But check this out. I said, Lord, when do you want to get married? He told me, I want you to get married. Right after you graduate, the next day I want you to get married. I was like, okay, man, that's tight, man, that's tight. I said, Lord, I ain't got enough money to do that. And this is what he said. Are you getting married according to your riches and glory or my riches and glory? Let me put it another way since you all, so you all can understand. He said, are you getting married based on how much money you got or how much money I can give you? Okay, let me say it a different way. Are you, getting, are you getting married based on your resources or are you getting based on me and my resources? Not knowing that favor was going to arise. We talk about favor all the time. Favor is just the influence that God will put on somebody's heart to do something for you. So watch this. All of a sudden, my wife's mom's old boss found out we was getting married and guess what? Decided he wanted to pay for our whole wedding. How many know I let him? Here's the key. It went from mental to verbal because I'll never forget. I sat down with her pastor and I got, first I asked her dad for permission. Then I went to her pastor. And when I asked her pastor, he said, well, when do y'all want to get married? I gave him the date. He said, well, that's fine with me. He says, "Uh, you got everything to do it? And I said, well, based on God's riches and glory, I do. (laughs) Not knowing, I said that before the resources showed up. So you don't need to say it if you already have it. No, faith is not based on what you have currently. Faith is based on what you desire to have futurely. So what I have to do is stop thinking about it over here and open up my mouth and start talking about it over here. And you need to talk about it so real that people think, wow, is that right? I want to ride in your new car. Say, just see me later. And what you do is you take them to lunch and say, come on, let me show you my new car. Put them in your, in your current car, take them to the dealership and show them your new car. He said, well, I thought you had it. I said, I got it. 
So here's my question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What is he saying to you? With every head bowed and every eye closed. I believe he's saying to some of you all to change your expectations.